Today's very special 400th episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Brought to you, as always, by our friends from ZipRecruiter. Their technology and tools make hiring more efficient and effective. It's the smartest way to hire. I was driving in my car yesterday on the radio listening to a ZipRecruiter ad. I was just banging out the beats. I was just doing it on my own. I was ad-libbing. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter had a quality candidate through the site in just one day. They have powerful technology that scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS to find out more. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets for sporting events, concerts, and more. College football season's coming up. Football season, NFL, baseball playoffs. What better time to try SeatGeek than right now? You know what to do. Use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com where I am looking at this on a Tuesday afternoon. And here's just some of the stuff we have on the ringer. Danny Kelly writing about college offenses. Just what the hell are they? Paolo Ugetti writing about the Eastern Conference All-Star roster. Justin Charity and Kate Nibbs had a great movie pass debate. Kevin Clark wrote about his interview with Josh Norman, who had some controversial thoughts. Sean Fennessy wrote about movies. Lindsay Zolads wrote about Nicki Minaj. You can check all of it out on TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. We are still cranking out stuff. The Ringer NFL show is really starting to heat up. We launched Fantasy Football. If you're a fantasy football fan, Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, they're going to be doing fantasy football on The Ringer NFL show feed. And I thought the, the pod this week, or actually it was last week, was uh, really good. It'll be even better this week, but... Some a lot of information, and I'm realizing I li- I was listening to the first two they did and realized that uh, I have no idea what's going on in fantasy. I got to start doing some homework. The draft is close. I don't want to be unprepared like I always am. Kyle, who's the Pat's number one receiver right now? Is Chris Hogan? It's, it's Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan <laughs> is. Incredible. They were saying they thought he could be a top ten receiver. That's incredible. Well, really? Well, I have to. Yeah, I have to listen. He was like going 29th on Yahoo, and they were saying he could be top 10 potentially. Chris Hogan, number one Pats receiver. Those are the kind of tidbits you find out on the Dynasty Football Show. Check that out on the Ringer NFL Show. Coming up, 400th anniversary, so we want to have two guests. Ice Cube, he was on last year. He's on again. Um, And we tried not to repeat any of this stuff we talked about last time, but it went a lot of directions. That one was really fun. Then John David Washington. The star of Black Klansman, which is excellent. He comes on after that, probably around like the, I would say the 48, 49 minute mark of this podcast. So um, I also nailed the the Washington Family Daily Double because we had Denzel on about five, six weeks ago. So I think that's the first father-son combo until I have LeBron, uh, LeBron James Sr. and Jr. on the podcast at some point. That's all coming up. So this is our 400th episode of the Bill Simmons podcast. And I think I've done more than that for the ringer because we've done, obviously been done a bunch of rewatchables. We have another one coming this week for um, wedding crashers actually. And I've popped on the ringer NBA and ringer NFL. So um, more than 400 around the ringer network, but 400 here. We started this podcast in my pool house in October of 2015, Tate Frazier was the producer. He is, 
he stayed on for, I think, two years, and then he graduated. Now he's a host for us. He's hosting um, One Shining Podcast with Mark Titus, and he's hosting GM Street all through this football season. So we have done a bunch of these in a bunch of different places. And I think the one thing I realized, especially after the uh, the HBO show went away, I had, had had a lot of success and a lot of fun interviewing a lot of different people on my old podcast on ESPN. And I just felt like there was another level it could go to. And then after, um, after the HBO show went away, we really kind of doubled down on, all right, we got to get, let's go get some guests. Let's go, let's really try to put some thought into if we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week, how these three podcasts will complement each other. Uh, obviously we had Cousin Sal on Mondays. We had some recurring stuff with people like House and Jacko and even my dad, but we wanted to just put together something that I thought went in a lot of different directions, kept you on your toes. Tommy Alter, who worked with me on the HBO show, really started to help out on the talent side, trying to um, find the right people. Um, nephew Kyle joined the team, gave me somebody to make fun of every once in a while about his love life. How's your love life today, Kyle? Yeah, it's not great. All right. Not great. That's our update today, nephew Kyle. But um, but it ended up being cool. We do this in my office. You've seen the pictures on Instagram. If you see me on Instagram, it's uh, SPTGY33. And we've had a lot of people pass through there and pass through here. Um, actors, celebrities, athletes, business people, it's been pretty cool. We we ran a video that is going to run today, actually, uh, trying to trying to rip through all the different guests we've had, and it's pretty neat. I don't know what my favorite one was, and I don't want to pick one. I guess we've had favorite moments. I think probably the coolest one, for some reason, I'm just going here is Paul Thomas Anderson, who came in in December. Sean Fantasy joined me. Boogie Nights is one of my three or four favorite movies. And I had no idea how it was going to go. We'd heard, you know, we'd heard he was a great guy. Heard he, you know, didn't do a lot of these long form interviews and we just didn't know. And it ended up being really great. and so much fun. I, I think those are the best ones when you're not totally sure how it's going to go. And then it goes way, way better than you thought. You know, I think Ethan Hawke was like that a couple months ago too. I assumed it was going to be good, but he was amazing. And, was able to go backwards and and really reassess a lot of the work he'd done. So these things can go a lot of different ways. And for me, it's just been really fun to do because it can go from one day I'm talking to some celebrity I've always wanted to talk to him. And then the next day I'm making fun of my buddy Jacko because the Red Sox just swept the Yankees. And uh, it's been an awesome outlet for me. I wish I wrote more. It's We're so busy here at the Ringer that... Uh, the writing, it's just been tough to balance all that because writing is really like, it's like golf. If, you, if you're not playing that often and you go out in the course, you're going to struggle. So I'm hoping to write more, but in the meantime, the podcast has been really uh, an awesome creative outlet for me and, and really fun to watch the audience grow. I can't believe how many people listen to this now. I think we've watched this grow since we launched, I think it was... October, yeah, October 2015. I think we're getting like, I don't know, 450,000, 500,000 listeners. And that is now, we are now in seven figures with this stuff. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think more people are listening to podcasts. The devices are better. The You have Spotify got involved. You have Google and they got involved. And 
Um, it's in cars and more people are aware of them. And there's all these different people listening to them at the gym. It's like, it's all the same stuff, all the same reasons people would have listened to a podcast eight, nine years ago. It's just all the technology and the stuff is better. People are listening to them at one and a half speed. And uh, it just feels like this medium that for, I always believed in and was a big source of my frustration when I was at ESPN, just because I felt like we could have been monetizing it better. But um, I always believed in this medium and the concept of radio on demand always just made sense. And now where you see where the world is going, where just everything is on demand, podcasts by proxy just have made more and more sense. So it's been fun to do this. Thank you for the feedback and uh, and thanks for spreading the word for us. We're having a, another really good year, not just of the, on the BS podcast, but with the Ringer Podcast Network in general. It's a big part of what we do. It's super important to us. We listen to your feedback. We try to keep innovating and trying to keep uh, doing stuff that we feel like is both unique to us and stands out. We have some narrative stuff coming that we're, we're dipping our toes into that we're going to announce soon. And, uh, and it's really important for us not to do too many of these. We want all the stuff we do to complement each other. We've had a lot of chances to add podcasts or add ideas. And, um, we don't want to be one of these places that's just cranking out 15 podcasts a day and making you choose what, which one or two you'd want to listen to. We want you to listen to all of them and we want them to all make sense collectively with what we're doing. So anyway, thank you for spreading the word 400, uh, 500 I'm looking forward to a thousand who knows who knows how many will do but uh but it's been it's been an awesome ride go check out that video we put it up we'll put it on the uh, at ringer twitter feed and you can check that out and see some of the guests and go back in the archives if you missed any of them I forgot about Al Pacino by the way that was another highlight when he started to telling godfather stories were you there for that one Kyle I was there we were talking about Paterno right yeah, but yeah. then it got into Al Pacino. He got into uh, John Cazale and yeah, that was yeah. A good one. I mean, too many great moments to count. Talking to KD right after he won the finals too in his in his basement after I think he'd been up for two straight nights. There's been a lot of highlights, and I don't want to single any out because there's been a ton of them. But uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to everybody who's been on. Thanks to all the recurrent characters. And uh, here we go. Ice Cube first, then John David Washington. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Ice Cube is here. He came on the podcast last summer. Um, I thought we were one and done, but then the Lakers signed LeBron, and now all of a sudden he wanted to come back. Yeah, man. You know, I got to come back. You guys are back. We back. You know, what's cool, it might be like a Lakers-Celtics championship on the horizon. I'm banking somewhere. on it. Isn't that just the best when it comes around? It's the best. It's a circle of life. It's yeah, a circle of basketball life. I remember trying to teach my son, like, you know, what it means, the rivalry, because he was born in 2000. So yeah. he doesn't know anything, but... Shaq and Kobe. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, I was telling him what it meant until it came around. And then he had a chance to feel it. And the Celtics beat the Lakers. Oh, wait. Yeah. So. 
And then the Lakers beat the Celtics. Yeah, he now he understands what it means. So it was special for it to come back around where he could feel it. You know, he felt that loss. And um and so it's cool if it come back around again. Yeah, it's basically had four incarnations because you had Russell versus Weston Baylor. Which I missed. That's all the 60s. I yeah, missed that as I well. I missed that. Then it circles back with Magic versus Bird in the 80s. Got that one. I then, got a nice dose of that. Then when Shaq and Kobe were good, the Celtics weren't, they just, they never been in the finals. They just didn't have the right teams. But yeah. then it circled back again with KG, Kobe, Pierce. So this seems like it's going to be the fourth. It's like, if it's like a movie sequel, this is like the fourth sequel. It's the fourth one. And- it's always good in its own way. Yeah. Except I the like first that there's one. real animosity. There's a, there's very few rivalries where like Yankees, Red Sox, they play every year. Yeah. You know, and and you have these different like football ones, you have the teams in the same division, the Bears and the Vikings, they hate each other. Celtics and Lakers aren't even in the same conference. No. There's still it still feels like a real rivalry and yet they've only been, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 finals, that's it. They've only crossed paths maybe 14 times. Yeah, but it seems epic. It, it seems like the best of sports, you know. It's it's Ali Frazier or something like that. It's, yeah. It's just as good as it gets, and you realize that. You realize that, yo, I'm living through a moment right here. Yeah. Well, the LeBron was the big guy for the Celtics to try to get through the last 10 years. It's It's just kind of funny that he's in the Lakers, though. It's like our two so biggest weird. rivals of the last 30 years. Celtics have a great team. Do you know LeBron? Have you interacted with him? What are your LeBron experiences? Um, I don't know LeBron. I seen him when he was a rookie at the All-Star game. Uh, he, he was kind of standing off to himself, like, you know, and I remember my kids like, yo, that's LeBron. Yo, that's LeBron. Yeah. You know, and I looked over there. Um but, but and you know said what's up but uh the next time i really interacted with him was we did like this this karaoke thing for james uh corden yeah and um that was real quick and um it's been nothing since but i like it like that i like you like a distance yeah i like to be a fan you know especially being so entrenched in sports now. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really appreciate uh, being a fan and and not knowing the guys or not interacting as much as I used to when I was younger. Well, this whole new, this new generation of players with the musicians and the rappers and the hip hop artists, they're all kind of intertwined and the guys are dropping the players' names in the songs. They hang out off the court. Yeah. Is that, that wasn't happening in the 90s as much, or maybe well, really it, at all. You know, it, it. I think it started to happen more later in the 90s. Um, but earlier it was, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the Raiders could care less who we were. <laughs> right, right. You know, at the time. <laughs> um, and so the interaction now seems like inevitable, like. It, it it has to be because you know these guys see each other at the clubs and you know these guys cross paths right at all these events and you know athletes love entertainers entertainers love athletes and it's just you know a marriage it's peanut butter and jelly well musicians 
secretly want to be NBA players and NBA players want to be musicians. I mean, I used to want to play football. You know, I played football in high school. Yeah. And I was like, yo, yeah, man, what if I went that route? You know, what yeah. if I didn't meet Dre and I went that route? And um, until um, Deion Sanders invited me to a Falcons game when he played with the Falcons, stand on the sideline. You're like, oh. I'm like, whoa. I don't want none of that. <laughs> not right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not playing football for years. I'm like, nah, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm just a, a spectator because they go hard, you know, and it's real. And it's a whole nother level that you, you, you never think about. What's the standing with the old school hip hop and rap with the new guys? What's the, what's like, all the stuff you were doing now, if you're somebody like Jason Tatum, he's 19. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows your your NWA through the movie. And yeah. through and through like Spotify. I mean, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna play him that short because they actually have more access to old music nowadays yeah. than we did. You know, but they weren't but they right weren't buying albums though. They're just it's Spotify, Apple. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like it's just different. You know, some things that come from from our generations might trickle down and they hear it and they like it and then it goes from there and then they gain interest and become fans of groups that we, you know, probably was like, yo, you know, that, that, <laughs> that's old. What you doing? But so, um, it you know, it's like any wave. You got the grumpy rappers who don't like nothing, new yeah. school. And then you got Go with the flow type people who can dig any school, you know. And don't resent the new guys. Don't don't resent the new guys. Understand, yo, you know, um, they had their time, and this is now this these young guys' time, and and they do cool stuff too, and and just like every era has had whack people, you know. It's like the old school. We can name some whack groups from the old school, just like we can name some whack groups from the new school it's like in each era of music in every era of music you're gonna have great artists and you're gonna have artists that should keep their day job which which group are you in are you in the uh angry old guy on the couch are you in the i love all the new stuff i'm in i love i love what's good from any era yeah that's how i am and i hate what's whack from all eras, you know? So that's who I am. It, I don't look at myself as, you know, from any particular school, you know? Uh, I can say I'm old school, but my father look at me and say, boy, you don't know nothing about old school, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and I can say I'm, I'm new school, but the youngsters will probably play something I never heard before and don't know where it come from or where the artist, who the artist is, you know. All these artists are using, like, auto-tunes, so it's hard to, you know, I knew Big Daddy Kane voice from Eric Sermon, from, you know, Ice-T. Yeah. You know, now you're not sure who it is because they all use an auto-tune, so they all kind of sound similar. That's the only problem I have, and maybe that's because I could give a damn as much as, you know, I right. could give a damn less now as, as I did before. I think it's amazing how much music there is now. 
you think about like, we're around the same age. You know, when I really started buying CDs and stuff in the mid eighties and cassette tapes, all yeah. that shit, we only had like, you know, music only became modern in the seventies really. Yeah, it's some yeah. stuff in the 60s, but mostly 70s. It was mostly mm. like classic rock and stuff like that. Yeah. And in the 80s, it started to get more interesting. Hip-hop rap really didn't take off till the late 80s. Mm -hmm. But now if you're a 16-year-old kid, you have 30 years of just hip-hop and rap to to kind of cherry-pick. You may yeah. maybe even 35. I'm actually jealous of the people now. You are? Yeah, Not I me. am. Nah, I think we, it'd be so much fun to go era. back. Well, we lived through it, through but it'd be so era. much fun to just go back and be like, whoa, look at all this music. You know, we That's just true. didn't have that. In yeah, the 80s. yeah, we didn't have it, um, and it shows you how resourceful we were. You know, to, yeah. to take just the category that we had. You know, we would go to the studio with a half a crate of records and do four songs. You know, yeah. with like maybe twenty records to pick from and, and be able to make these songs from. So um, I remember working on America's Most Wanted with, with Public Enemy and the Bomb Squad, and we did it in uh, Long Island, uh, 510 Franklin or 710 Franklin, one of them streets. But um, they owned a warehouse full of records. Yeah. They were DJs, college DJs, so they – you know, so it was too many records to choose from. It was like they just stuck me in there and said, okay, pull out your record. They gave me two crates. Me and Sir Jinx gave us two crates empty. Fill them up with what you want to make your album with, and then we can go to the studio. What? Man, I'm in there. I mean, two weeks. Right. It's like a buffet. <laughs> yeah, trying to, fill, you know, play records, listen, oh, this got a horn break, oh, this have, you know, and fill up that crate before we can even start and write down what I want to use, you know. So it was, you know, those dudes was mad scientists, but it just showed you, like, sometimes too much to choose from, you know, um, even though we made a great record out of that, but... Luckily, we had two weeks to sift through all that stuff. Yeah, there was a discovery, not to sound like two old guys, but there was a discovery thing back then that doesn't exist now. Because if something's on the radar now, you know about it. You find out about it from a buddy. They they send you the link or you're on Spotify yeah, or yeah. whatever. I remember like The Chronic. I'd heard about it. I didn't really, I didn't know what it was. I hadn't heard any of the songs. And a friend of mine had the CD, my friend Anthony. I'm like, what's this? Oh, this is... You put it in and be like that first time you kind of remember it's like seeing yeah. a movie for the first time, and I wonder what that's like for the generation now because it's a solo experience now. Exactly, you know, you're you're at your house, your apartment, wherever you got headphones yeah. on, you got your little your phone, your Apple, whatever you have. But and back you then, it, that, and you back definitely then it want like to that. see it first before you show anybody. Yeah, you, you definitely want to be the one up on it, so you're gonna watch it first, and then you're gonna be like, hey, check this out. Back that back in that late eighties, early nineties, it was it was much more communal. Yeah, it was, it was like, hey, listen to this, okay, and then people play it for you. Yeah, I remember when you you couldn't make a record unless you went to a big studio. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like nobody's making a record out their house no more. You know, that's like back in when right. You know, you, nobody had a studio, but once like studios became 
a thing. You couldn't make a record at home and expect anybody to like it. You know, it was like you had to go. It was a process. You know, now make a hit. You know, it it all ended with Soldier Boy. You know, you yeah. just sitting at home making made a hit and you made yourself a star, <laughs> and then it was over. Like make it from your computer, never go to the studio again. Is it weird that you have these albums now that are almost thirty years old, and the new generation of people they're just cherry picking songs from it, whereas when you guys were making you nah, know, we was still into you, you know. Was, like, were you into the songs? Oh, or you, that mean, you mean you mean just kind of not going through the whole well thing? In, you mean just picking in out your songs? day? It was like the album was that the album. Album it meant something. It was yeah. a collection of the songs yeah. that you're trying to make a yeah, whatever I, statement I you're, you're trying saying. to make. I see. What now you're it's saying. just the song. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's not a, an experience. No. You know, it was uh, some records I wouldn't listen to until I had an hour to listen to the whole thing because I knew I didn't want to be interrupted. I didn't want to be distracted. Yeah. You know, I just want to listen to this whole thing from start to finish because I knew this was the, that kind of artist and that's what they were giving you. Now, you know. Well, you listen to the whole album partly because it was a pain in the ass to turn the album off, especially true, if it was a cassette. True. You have to flip album. it, you'd yeah, fast forward, yeah. and it's like, just, ah, just play Let it. Let it play. But then you would fall in love with these songs that were never meant to be the hit songs. Yes. Springsteen had a lot of those where he had his songs that were the known Springsteen songs, but then everybody had their other kind of favorite under yeah. the radar songs. And the I wonder CD if that's really, the case anymore. The CD really brought that in. Like, yeah where you didn't have to be tortured by the whack records. Just trying skip to, to the next skip song. Skip to the yeah. next or just repeat the one you like over and over again. Yeah. And uh, that's the start of uh, cherry picking, I guess. Well, I guess the music industry, everybody I've talked to says it's doing unbelievable right now. But I, I remember back in the day, like you'd almost have the two song rule with whether to buy the album or not. You wouldn't yeah. want to buy it off one song. You want to make sure they had at least one more good song. Yeah, damn right. So you're spending like fourteen ninety nine. Yeah. You know and going, driving to the store, yeah. standing in line, getting it, dealing with, you know, and you know you're going to pick up another album, so you're spending more money because you're going in the store. And, and so, yeah, it was a process. So you better be good. It better be good. Which which of the uh, of this decade's generation of stars, which are the one you're most impressed by? Um. Wow, uh, I'm impressed by you know people like Drake. Um, you know even Kanye. I know you know lately people have been tripping on him, but guys that can create their own music and lyrics and, and you know basically are you know one man show. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Dr. Dre has those qualities. You know, a guy that can make his own hit beat and and rhyme on it and you know that's what they do so i admire that you know as a as a i produce records i produce records but as far as you know sitting down and just coming up with all that music you know i leave it up to guys that do that you yeah. know and i stick with the lyrics and the concepts and the arrangements um so I admire guys that could do it all. So it's like Drake and Kanye. It's a little like in basketball, the guys who can run an offense, create a shot, but yeah. also create for other guys. Yeah, who can do it all. Um, 
at a high level for a long time. Do those guys reach out to you? Do they ask for uh, your advice? No, nah, no, nah, they don't reach out. And, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that because, you know, I'm not Dr. Phil or nobody. <laughs> I ain't trying to, <laughs> and I ain't trying to give away all my secret sauce anyway. Right. Yeah. Man, that's weird because I would think there's only like a handful of people who have gone through the same types of experiences, right? Yeah. And if I was a younger person going through that, I would want to reach out to some of the people who have been through that and pick their brain. Like if I was Drake, I'd be like, I'm in LA. I want, hey, Cube, can we go to dinner? Just want to take you out to dinner and shoot the shit with you for three hours. Yeah. I'd probably be like, for what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's a thing. You know, I've never done that to anybody, like any anybody that was on top. If I run across them and we can chop it up. You guys are fucking competitive. Yeah, it is. I like it. We are fighting for the same It's better than basketball. Basketball, everybody's buddies, though. Yeah, it's weird. They're all buds. It's weird. I mean, they You're like, hey, Jake, I don't want to go to dinner with you. No, I'm I'm not like, hey, Drake, I would go to dinner with Drake. You don't want to go to dinner with Drake. I'd be like, well, what's... What are we going to dinner about? You know yeah. what I'm saying? I need to know. What's your angle? I need to know motives and motivations so I can be prepared, you know? And it's cool. It ain't like, you know, I mean, I want you to say, yo, I just want to pick your brand. I just want to holler at you. I'm full of uh, advice and encouragement. And, you know, anybody can really call me and ask me anything about the business. And I'll give them what I know. Yeah. Because I think it's each one teach one. And that's how everything gets better. And, you know, um, somebody did that to me. So I'm always an open guy, but I got to know where, you know, what what we doing? What we doing here? You know. Have you settled all bad blood from 25, 30 years ago? You have any? I hope so. Any residual stuff that you're still <laughs> pissed about? Oh, oh, I thought you meant my beefs with people. Yeah, your beefs. Um. Oh, it's always you some residue. It's always a little residue. <laughs> Who's the residue? Tell me some residue. There's a couple residues out there, you know. Really? Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, It's I'm going to let sleeping dogs lie. You know what I mean? It ain't no big issue, so I'm going to leave it alone. I ain't going to mention no names. I'm really disappointed. I know. I, I was excited care, for though, some residue. Don't matter, you know. <laughs> I just don't want to, you know, uh, bring up no names. Okay. And, you know, bring any... Anything to the surface that's been laying dormant. But but you're pointing out there is some residue. It's always residue. Quick break to talk about FanDuel. You've heard us talk about other fantasy sites in the past. We finally got around to trying FanDuel. And we were shocked at how different it is. FanDuel means it when they say they have more ways to win. And if you're not a fantasy expert, FanDuel is the best place to play. They have all kinds of contests just for casual fans like Beat the Score Contests which are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. All you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. FanDuel also has new options for playing with your friends because the only thing better than winning cash is winning your friend's cash. Best of all, FanDuel doing their part to make the preseason bearable with preseason fantasy contests running up to week one of the NFL. Right now you can get a $10 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. All you have to do is sign up at FanDuel.com slash BS, age and state restrictions apply. Back to Ice Cube. Since the last time I saw you, the Defiant Ones came out, I think. Yeah. I don't think we talked about that the last time. Pretty no, sure that came out like July, yeah, July, August. Um, I thought it was 
thought it was spectacular. It was probably it was four. It was four hours. Probably could have been three, but it was too long. It was, it was a little too long. I, I think it could be tighter, but uh, the story was amazing, and uh, and I thought it really did a nice job of of portraying what the '90s scene was like. It was one of one of the better things I've seen for like. Here's how it went. Well, I mean, the Hughes brothers are amazing film makers, you know. Well, they spent five years on it, Yeah, too. I mean, they're just amazing guys who, to me, don't do enough work. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, But they're very particular. Yeah, which is good. You know, it's like, you know, we'll wait for whatever they did. They did a documentary on, like... Uh, like pimping or something. It was, oh yeah, yeah the HBO it was, show. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty extensive and heavy, and and showed you things you never seen before from that yeah. game. So you know, I love I love their style of filmmaking. Um, so what was your reaction when you're watching it? You, you uh, lived, I haven't seen it through all. all of it. You didn't see all of it? Nah, nah. I watched a little of it. I've been through the story. I already know what happened. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought it would have been like watching home movies or something. Yeah, but who wants to do that? You know, it's you lived like, it though. I know. And I mean, we've been regurgitating it for since, you know. For 30 like, years. Well, you know, straight out of Compton took four years to get to the big screen after its initial interest. So I had four years before the movie came out. Reliving that to, whole era, yeah. You know, investigate and research and talk to people and and get all the information we needed to make that movie. And then we shoot the movie, which was, wasn't an easy movie to shoot. Um, it was pretty, um, you know, rough and tumble. Yeah. You know, it was a hard subject. And so you got that aspect. You got, you know, people, you know, getting murdered. You know what I'm saying, and 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 you know things with with uh, with with you know happening like close to the set. You know what I'm saying. It's just you know guys getting ran over, and yeah. you know it's it's it was it was hardcore. And so, um, by the time the movie came out, I was full of it. You know what I mean. I didn't need to see to me another documentary on what it was. I already, I already know what it is. Have all the stories been told? No. No. Because... Well, now I'm intrigued. I mean, in, 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 that, in that world, you live in every day. And every day, something new catches your eye, catches your interest, shakes you up, makes you, um, you know think different about certain things. So you can never sum that up in a movie or a documentary or anything because it was every day. It wasn't two hours. It wasn't four hours. It wasn't six hours. You know, it was, you know, hours upon hours upon hours of different things happening to different members at different times in different parts of the city. It's just crazy. What do you think everything that happened to you guys in the, late 80s, early 90s, in the current era, Spotify, Apple, being able to have a song be heard immediately and go everywhere. How does that affect the trajectory of all that stuff? 
you're basically getting the feedback and all the acclaim and the popularity of the money um, instantly in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the word's spreading fast. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure the question. Well, I'm saying in this, in 2018. Yeah. If you have a hit song. Yes. You're immediately a phenomenon. Yes. If it's done correctly. Everybody hears about it. The way you guys did it, it was much more gradual, built towards something, mm-hmm. and you got to enjoy kind of the steps of the ride. Now there is no ride. If you have a good song, you could immediately become very famous. Yes. What's better? Um, I think the long trajectory is better. That's what I feel like, it's, too. It's a home run. You know, a home run might not go as high as a foul tip, but it it's a constant, gradual rise and distance. And when it land, it's money. A foul tip can go as high as the Empire State Building. But when it come down, it don't count for nothing. So the, the shot up, to me, is not as good as the, the gradual soar. That's, a, that's what I think, too. Did we talk about the Vegas Raiders yet? Like, Not did, yet. I can't remember. Mm. Did that happen the last time? I don't think it was official yet. So what happens? You follow them to Vegas? Of course. I kind of like it. I, I actually think it's it's it's, like, it's weirdly perfect. It gives them like a boost, a shot in the arm a little bit. I mean, I'm sad for Oakland. I'm like, why can't they build a stadium it's in Oakland? It's crazy. What, what is... That whole area is it. so much money like in that they area. They don't want yeah, it. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't That's what, what it they is. Want it. It's like the city is like, we make our money off the port. We don't have to deal with like tailgating. Raider fans. Raider, crazy Raider fans. It really somewhere. seems like a lot of this was the it Raider was, fans. Yeah. Thing. So yeah, get them out of here. Yeah. That's what it seemed like because it's like, why? I, I still haven't gotten an answer. I mean, even they, they don't even want the Warriors there, it seemed like. Yeah. I don't know. I know the people want them there. I don't know what's going on, the undercurrent of of the city. You know, it seemed like some separation there. It's a very strange time for that whole area because Oakland has become, you know, it's turning into a suburb. It's turning yeah. into a place that people who can't afford to live in San Francisco, the next stop is Oakland. And that yes. whole city's changing. And you would think that would lead to sports teams. And yet all the sports teams are leaving. But in the Raiders case. Well, with the Raiders, they consider that gentrification, getting them out of there. Like, <laughs> they like, yo, we can get it maybe a nicer football team here. I, I do wonder if that might be part of it. Like, the, ah, someday we'll get Oakland an expansion Starbucks. team, bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oakland Starbucks. <laughs> Call the Bucks for short. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Vegas thing I wasn't convinced was going to work. And then the hockey team came in and was like lights out. Yeah. And immediately succeeded and sold out and... Um, it's clear that A, there's a lot of sports fans there. And then B, um, all the ticket brokers just buy up all the tickets because they can give them to whoever. There's yeah. only eight football games. I think it's, it's going to be it's awesome. It's a party, you know. It's and, and people, you know, only count Vegas as the strip. But Vegas is a big city now. Yeah. There's a lot of people there who don't go to the strip and don't like the strip, but they will go to a football game or they'll go to a – Hockey game. Or they'll come know? in to go to a restaurant. I mean, yeah, all the great you know, restaurants just, are there. Yeah. And so um, people forget about not only the people that's there on the strip, 
you know, looking for something to do, but the whole city's staying away until it's something cool that they can come in and be a part of. If you were the Clippers, would you move to Vegas? Uh, if I was the Clippers, I would kill myself. No, no, no. I'm hard on the Clippers. You, you know. should be. Yeah, because, you know, they're they're just, like, here. And I think they can do a lot, a lot of good elsewhere. There's a lot of cities, Seattle, that are uh, hoping and wishing for an NBA team. And we have too many. And... They're never gonna, uh, I guess, uproot the Lakers, and so it's doing a disservice to me, to the Clippers, their fans. When Chris um, Paul was getting booed at Dodger games, it was over for me for the Clippers, because <laughs> at that point the Lakers were horrendous and the Clippers were a contender, and they would show Chris Paul in the jumbotron, and it's like mixed, mixed results with the fans. It's like. We don't need a second team in LA. We just no, don't. No, we don't. Not not basketball. No. I mean, not even football. It's too people the love Clippers the Lakers and the too Chargers, much. Hey, the Chargers. They, they, get, them they get a package yeah. deal. Get the Chargers get a out. package deal. Y'all want that? <laughs> Got it for cheap. Well, it seems like the best solution would be Bomber moves the Clippers to the to Vegas or Seattle. Well, well, so he moves them to Vegas, sells them and they do like a swap thing where he gets a Seattle expansion team. So the whole yeah. Clippers franchise just moves to Vegas and then we just start over with the Seattle expansion. The other way, the easiest way to do it is just the Clippers move to Seattle, but he seems to be really stubborn about that for some reason. He, you would take a franchise that's like the black sheep of LA and you would turn them into a $3 billion franchise immediately in Seattle where they there's a I ton think, of money and great fans. the NBA he wouldn't do that for... A certain amount of time. Yeah, promises get broken. Yeah. Let's go in there and talk After to Adam. Five years. Yeah. Go Adam, in and just put Adam. Come on, baby. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen, man. Well, the thing is, he's trying to build this arena in Inglewood, and the guys who run the forum are trying to block him and the rant. And yeah. so it's like they're going to be. They're going to go each back other. on oh, Laker Holy Land and expect to get. Yeah. You put the Clippers in Inglewood? It's like, what? <laughs> are you crazy? It's like almost, you know, uh, uh, a, like a sacred burial ground. What are you doing? What would your reaction be if news came out they were knocking down the forum to build a, Clip, a Clippers basketball arena? Man, LAPD better get on high alert. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> I'm pissed. You know? It's such a bad idea. The Laker fans would go crazy. They would go they would, nuts. There's too much history I mean, there. Yeah, you just just driving by the building makes you feel good. Have you been in the forum since they upgraded it? Yeah, I played the forum. Yeah, it's good. It's cool. I thought they did a nice job. That was with a it. dream come true to play the forum yeah. because it's like growing up so close, driving by it so much, you know, uh, getting into, you know, going and seeing Ringling Brothers and, you know, sneaking into a Laker game or two every now and then. It's like, man, you know, being able to play it and perform there is like bucket list. How long can you go now in a concert? What's your what's your stamina? Man, I could do two hours. Two good hours? Two good hours. You need a break in the middle? No. A break? <laughs> get to get a water break? Nah. Oh, come on. A water get break, a, yeah. A masseuse? Massage? Nah, nah. I don't need none of that, you know. You go two hard hours? I can go two hours. Have you thought about ever, because uh, there's all these 
these big ass tours now. Have you ever thought about organizing like a big ass eight city, ten city, whatever giant um, thing? I mean, you know, I love going on tours, but they got to be short. I don't like long tours, so I'm a you know anything over like thirty days. You're you, you're done. You're on your couch. I'm I'm, I'm like it's no fun no more. It's, yeah, it turns into work, and that ain't cool. What's the best city to play in? Oh, that's a lot of cool cities, man. Um, Give me your top three. Top three, L.A. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a homer pick. Yeah, it is. I mean, but they go crazy. I mean, you got it. You well, gotta it is like it. yeah. You, your DNA is here. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, they get busy for me in Detroit. Oh, you, know, you got a lot they, of history they love there me in too. Detroit, and um, they go crazy for me in Denver. What? Yeah, Denver. They love Why me Denver? Denver. They love me, man. It's so you know. That's so random. It's so they. I mean, they got the West Coast flavor out there. They love it. That in Salt the, Lake City loved me too. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Uh, that was one of my favorite things of the movie. Is you the Detroit scene is stupendous. Yeah, it was crazy. When it's on cable, if it's somewhere around there, if you yeah. flipping channels, but. All right, I'll stay Might through the Detroit scene. Yeah, yeah, I'll stay 15 minutes. It's amazing. Minutes. You know, I'll that scene, I love the opening scene with Easy. It's just, it sets the tone. What's up with your son's movie career now? Oh, uh, he's uh, he's in Godzilla too. So that's coming out. This, you know, I feel like I saw him in something he, else recently. He was what? in um, Den of Thieves, uh, which was oh, real yeah. cool. Uh, he did this movie called... Uh, uh, Ingrid Goes West. He plays his corky character. And he's just now, um, he got to go to Montreal and do some uh, reshoots on on the Seth Rogen movie called Flarsky. Nice. Uh, Clarice Theron. Is that her name? Char- Charlize Theron. Charlize, yeah. Yeah. yeah she's she's very attractive. She was on, She sat on that couch once. We were all yeah? flustered. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, she's. Yeah. She's okay. the best. Um, what movie do people mention to you the most? Friday. What's it? Friday one. What's two? Boys in the Hood. What's three? Uh, Barbershop. And what's, are we there yet? Yeah. Do you get a lot of higher learning or no? No. Not a lot of higher learning. That's a really interesting movie. It's on cable it's so sometimes. Rough, though. Yeah, it's tough. It makes people probably feel funny. You know? It's one of those movies that make you feel like, damn. It really hits them. It's subjects it's hard. Raw. And it's like, you know, it was an era where, you know, movies were, you know, going after, you know, concepts that people had grasped and held on, like do the right thing or something. It's yeah. like all these stereotypes that people grip onto movies, like go right at them. It has the the neo Nazi skinhead stuff, which yeah, has become recently like relevant. Michael Rapport. Yeah, yeah. You know who's our guy? In, in oh, yeah, he's three. in the big three. You know, yeah, You're working yeah, together again yeah, after exactly. he was a you know, murderous after, skinhead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about big three. Huh? How's big three going? Oh, it's great, man. Season two, playoffs is here. Um, so we got our playoffs in Dallas. Four best teams are uh, we got power going against Tri State. Power has Katino Mobley on it. It has Corey Maggette. Uh, it has uh, Big Baby Davis. Uh, it has uh, Big Bird Baby Man. Davis. Yeah, it has Birdman, Chris Anderson. And then you got Tri-State. 
Jermaine O'Neal, Amari Stoudemire, Nate Robinson. Uh, they're coached by Dr. J. Uh, Power is coached by Nancy Lieberman. Uh, Power is the one seed, and Tri-State's the fourth seed. And then, can you, you bet on this? You can. I can. No, it's are there odds? <laughs> no, there are. Yeah, odds? yeah, yeah. In Vegas, they are. You can definitely go and uh, put a line on it. Uh, and uh, then, you know, our second game is, well, the second game that means everything is Three-Headed Monsters versus Three's Company. Three-Headed Monsters, coached by Gary Payton. Yeah. They got um, Charlotte. Lewis. Now, Rashard is hurt, though. They got Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Reggie Evans. Um, you know, so they got a squad that's, that's pretty – pretty uh good you know they came up they was runner-up last year and you got three's company who's coached by michael cooper they got baron davis and uh drew gooden uh so they got a cool squad too if Richard Lewis is hurt, you should get the game to come in as a substitute. <laughs> no fighting. No fighting. <laughs> he fights his own teammates. Yeah, you might no. need that in the big three for the playoffs. Nah, nah, nah. No fighting your own teammates. I like how he apologized immediately after the long Instagram post. It reminded me of Elgin Baylor and Jared. No. no <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, no post back then. It's like, <laughs> write a letter to, to you apologizing. That was the most Drew League thing that's probably ever happened. Oh, uh, the fight? Yeah, the game getting into a fight with his own teammate during the Drew League is the is the most Drew League moment we've had. I so mean, far. it seemed like the most game moment for sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, he he loves to fight. He really does. <laughs> he He's ready to, to go. He, he was in like stances and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he was ready to go. You know, uh, so that's my boy. I love him. So, who can you make a pick for the big three finals or no? You're not allowed. No, no, I'm not. You don't want to root you know, for I just want good games, man. You know, I wanted to. You know, we go to 50, you got to win by two. So, yeah. A game 48 to 48, somebody call a timeout is like, that's it. It's my dream scenario. Who is the MVP this season? I don't know. You know, there's four guys that, that had great seasons that, you know, we let the players vote on it. They're going to vote on it in Dallas uh, this Friday. So, it's out of uh, Reggie Evans, uh, Andre Emmett, uh, Corey Maggette, and, um, uh, we have one more person in the mix. Oh, uh, David Hawkins. And I, I would throw Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf name in it, too. Yeah, He's still he's still good Man. from 30? <laughs> that jumper is wet. It's wet. Can't you, they can't do nothing with him. You give him an inch, he's going to knock it down. Jesus. So when is this on? Friday night, um, 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. And then... Live on Big Fox, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Our, our playoff game is on Big Fox this Friday, and our championship game is on Big Fox next Friday. So, Is Big Fox like a new thing, or are you starting this? What you mean? Calling Fox Big Fox. Well, we deal with— I kind of like it. I mean, that's to show—I mean, we've been on FS1. Yeah, but I think Fox should become Big Fox. It's I would love, it sounds, I mean, Big It three, sounds like Big more Fox, intimidating. It is. <laughs> Big Fox, and that's what we call it, so— we want people to tune in. Out here is Channel 11 in L.A., but we want people to tune in to, to their regular Fox program. And what's your Raiders prediction for this year? Uh, man, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea what the team is going to look, feel, sound, or play like. You have a guy who was announcing for the last 12 years as your coach. Yeah. That well, should, I don't know how that's going to go. It might, might not be a bad thing. Might not be a bad because thing. Because... 
He's been able to get in everybody's locker room. He's been able to see everybody's game plans. Oh, I like this. He's like a spy. He's been able to talk to everybody's assistant coach, know what every team is feeling, what their players feel. He's been able to get a like a, a a view most coaches don't have going into the season. So he should know kind of the philosophy of all the teams he's about to play. If you're wearing a Raiders jersey in a concert, which one are you wearing? Um, I'm wearing, um, you know, Marcus Allen. Or you could say Jack Tatum. 32 is 32. It's great. The Assassin. Yes. Love Jack Tatum. Those highlights from the 70s of those dudes. Yeah. When when they were just laying dudes out like Sammy Way, unfortunately Daryl Stingley, who's on my team, he that was yeah, the that, worst case scenario. Yeah, but that's when he got yeah that was no awful. fun no more. Yeah, that was that was not that's good. I was actually watching that game live when that happened. That yeah, was not good. That was um, not fun. But those guys, the what they allowed in the seventies, it's could you if any you of those plays happened now, people have a heart attack. Oh my god! Did you see what they used to do to quarterbacks? I mean, even as it's like. I forgot the game I was watching, but one of those, I think it was Wilbur Marshall, almost killed Joe Montana. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a monster getting off the ground. <laughs> and when he hit him, it was like. Joe Montana took three of like the worst ones anyone's my taken. God. Jim yeah. Bird on the Giants crushed him too. Yeah. I mean, it was just. The those worst. Raiders ones, they would hit the receivers. They didn't even have the ball, and the ball was not even going to them. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, you're in my way. Boom. Yeah. Elbow. Crazy. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they don't play like that no more. It's too, I can't, I don't like the big hits like I used to. I, I went from, I loved it to, I remember there was like a Ravens, I'm going to say it was Ravens Steelers playoff game, maybe like eight, six, seven, eight years ago when we kind of knew a little bit about concussions yeah. and like three guys got knocked out and it was like, all right, this is, what are we doing? Yeah. It was like one of those moments. I found myself going, yeah. Ooh. Instead of, ooh, I used to go, ooh. Now I go, oh, man, damn, is he all right? Randy Moss on the Raiders, do you acknowledge that error or no? Yeah, he just didn't have nobody to get it to him. You know, yeah. He only ran one pattern for the Raiders. Like, the well, he wasn't route. going over the middle for the Raiders. No, yeah, the go route. He barely did went over the middle for the Pats. The go route. Yeah. And if you can't get it to me, we're not going to get a touchdown. He, uh... He made the Hall of Fame, obviously, last week. He was having him on your team. He was on my Pats. Yeah, it, I, it, it was, was there was the nothing best. like it. No, the, the first Jets game when he was just torching everybody. It was like, oh my god, how is this guy on our team? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. He's it's like how getting I feel, triple teamed and scoring. It's how I feel like getting LeBron. It's like, yeah, how's this dude on our team now again? The Lakers pull a rabbit out their hat. Have you seen him in the uniform yet? Yeah. It's it looks, weird. It looks like it's weird. He was born in that uniform. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was drifting around the universe for fifteen years, yeah, waiting he for. He was born in that uniform. He was waiting to become. Well, now LeBron. Now five years from now, you get him and his son. That'll be yeah. it. His son will be in the 2022 draft. Probably high schoolers will be eligible. Yep, and he'll probably be like Get the whole family is now. He'll probably be like, <laughs> LeBron, yeah. My son is the man. Yeah, he's got to start right yeah, away. He's the man. <laughs> uh, thank you. Hey, man, thanks that was for having me. Always, always fun cool. to have you on, man. It's Good luck fun. with everything. All right. All right, thanks, Bill. All right, before we get to John David, you owe it to yourself to experience the comfort and quality of a Burrow couch once you experience Burrow. 
Your relationship with your couch will never be the same burrow. Spring style and comfort to a whole new level ships to your door fast and free. Burrow sofas are ergonomically designed and so comfortable. Customize your burrow sofa to match your style by selecting the color, size, armrest, height, leg color. It even comes with a built-in USB charger. Enjoy 30 days of cozy on your comfortable burrow risk-free. Or try out Burrow, one of their partner showrooms today. We have these at, at the Ringer offices. In fact, we have a couple writers that spent a little too much time on the Burrow couch. I know it's comfortable. I know it has the uh, it has the USB charger, but um, but it's 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 not the place where you lie down and hang out, guys. Come on, do a little more work. I know the Burrow's comfortable. Customize your own Burrow. Get seventy five dollars off your order by going to burrow.com slash BS. That is B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash BS for $75 off your purchase. Burrow makes the luxury couch for real life. All right, here's a conversation we had yesterday with John David Washington, star of Black Klansman. Awesome movie. Here we go. So last night I was at the Grove in Los Angeles at 1030 at night seeing Black Klansman. It was excellent. I was a little groggy. I was a little uh, tired. I'm uh-huh. old now. Um, <laughs> it was really late, huh? good. John David Washington is here. You've how long has the press tour been for this movie? I've uh, seen you on a lot of things. Yeah, that, I'm I'm uh, I'm active. I'm running for president right now, man. No, it's, it's been great though. This uh, this sort of campaign, just being able, the really the responses to it, how people are receiving the film, has been very encouraging to, uh, to continue to, to to bring awareness to the film and just to go see it. It's been nice. So you did all this stuff before the movie came out. And then the, we're taping this on a Monday morning. Mm. And the movie did really well. The two big movies were this and The Meg. The Meg. I don't know what that says. <laughs> <laughs> People still want to go see Shark Tales, I guess, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that, that, that always works. But uh, no, well, I'm happy for Spike Lee, though, honestly, man. People... It seemed like people, especially in France and, and here too, as well, they're just champion Spike. They kind of want to see him back. They want to they want to cheer for him again. And uh, it seems like they have. They showed up this weekend. You've known Spike your whole life. Uh, I have. I have. Yeah. You were even in Malcolm X, right? I like was. A, like an extra? I was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, they did are you have a background artiste, sir. <laughs> You've been in this <laughs> town how long? Artiste. You got to learn the vernacular, baby. It's background artiste. Okay. Yes. Yes. No such thing as small... Uh, actors only small parts so uh, no it, it was a great opportunity obviously and I have grown since then as an artist from you know Malcolm X being a background yeah, artist yeah. to now and uh, the responsibility of, of uh, being Ron Starworth in, in his film was great and uh, a great challenge one I, I welcomed with open arms what was your relationship like with him before the movie and what's it like now in passing, you know, he go lo- show love, but it wasn't like we weren't talking on the phone or anything yeah. like that. So when I got a text from Spike Lee, he said, "Yo, this Spike called me." I was on a text. I was a bit surprised and shocked, like, well, "How? How did? Okay." And but I, it was definitely worth investigating, even if it wasn't him. Yeah, I might as well check it out. And I called him, and he, he pitched me a quick elevated pitch of what the story was. I'm like, "Okay, this remind this this is." Dave Chappelle's skit, right? This is obviously some kind of spoof or play off of that. Then he sent me the book and I did my research and I was blown away. I couldn't believe that this is a true story, a true American story. Uh, so I call him back and say, this is amazing. He said, bet, see you this summer. We filmed it. And that was it? Did you have to beat people out? or did was, he... He, he wanted me the whole time. I, I had done a film for his wife. Um, uh, called, he, she produced a film called Monster that played in uh, Sundance, playing a sociopath from Jersey. So I guess he saw something oh, from that. something in there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, what, it was what are you, what's your NBA team? Do you have one? Uh, I mean, Lakers, you know. Okay, so is that a problem, Spike? 
No, Knicks Lakers. no I, I, I guess actually, there's no Knicks Lakers rivalry because the Knicks have sucked for no, 20 years. Well, not since what uh, since the, 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 the great Reed comeback, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, I, yeah, I um, no, nah, he doesn't have a problem. I actually like the Knicks too. Like I, I got, I went to my first Nick. My first Nick experience was with Spike Lee during the film. He he took me to a couple games, and it was I love sitting with him watching the game. That is, he's a game in itself. That's entertaining just watching him get get after it. So it was a lot of fun, and obviously our rivalry. For, for years, I, I mean, my uncle. It, the rivalry is back. It, I think it's in a real way, right? I mean, because LeBron. Wait, let me was, ask you this real quick, just real sport. Who 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 sits on the bench now with Hayward coming back and Irvin? Who's gonna sit on the bench for for Boston? You act like you act like this is a problem. It could it's an be. Embarrassment it could be. Of riches. It could be though. You know how it is. Like just the mental. Like you got to keep them into it. Like after coming off of the season, who's sitting? I think it's who's gonna starting? be. I think crunch time will be Kyrie. Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Horford. So Tatum went out to four, Brown out to four? Yeah, sort of? we just, five shooters. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. Okay. Even the Warriors never really had the five, no, Green's, five dead-eye shooters at the same time. Green was yeah, basically in the 30s for three. Like yeah, last year, yeah. he was like 30%. This year, we had we can spread the floor. Yeah. And matchups won't be a problem? Like I think they just switch on D. Okay. Did you play in high school? Uh, a little bit. I played. I was football was my was my main love, but uh, yeah, I love basketball too. Like watching uh, Randall Cunningham was the reason I played football. Like oh, for I feel, I met, football. <laughs> ah, you remember that? Oh yo, yeah, yo, he's a god. Yo, 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 no, it was Bo Jackson though. Everybody, well, knew. Bo is everybody. Yeah, Bo's, uh, Bo's about over here. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, like like never seeing anybody that looked like me playing that position before, and what he was able to do was something about that number twelve with the wings and the glove. Yeah, I wanted to do that, man. I was like, yo, he's the man. I thought. So, so you were quarterback in high school? I I was a quarterback in middle school. I stopped growing though. Um, I went to Mac Brown camp, football camp. He was the head coach, uh, former head coach of the. Um, Tar Heels. Yeah. So I went to camp out there and I won the little MVP trophy and that's why I played quarterback that next year when I was going into eighth grade I played quarterback and I got the team our team to the semi the semi championship at quarterback but uh, you know when I got to high school it was a wrap I played, I switched to running back because of well, my height. My son is 10 mm-hmm. and same LA, LA prep school scene that you're in Yeah. and it's flag now and I wonder by the time so he's going into fifth grade by the time he goes to ninth whether it's just going to be flag for high school, like I'm prepared for anything. Flag for high school? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with football. Well, they got like a uh, what do you like an alternate league or something? I don't, I don't just I wonder <laughs> what happens with tackle football for people like 16 and under. I really don't know where it goes. Well, uh, once you once you're a freshman, they got J, they call JV, and then uh, you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm saying like the schools. Could they potentially get rid of football? Oh, you think? Oh, is that like a discussion? A serious? I wouldn't be shocked. I I wouldn't be shocked. Wow. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but. There's wow. all the studies that come in with concussions and right. stuff, especially when when people aren't grown up yet. Right, right, right. And right. it's just more. And they're gonna do damning. that in the South too, like tech, you know, football is what? life out there. Let down. me tell you something. <laughs> the South and Texas are never changing. <laughs> okay, so okay. <laughs> but I think it, I could see it. I, I honestly could see it. I, I talk about it with the parents that uh-huh. are, you know, for the schools that my kids go to, and all of us are like, yeah, we don't want our kids to play football. I Which was, is a lot different than when you were growing up. It was like, yeah, I want to play football. I want to be on the team. I, it's the best way to get girls. Like, there's uh, all these. I don't know about all, all this. that. Uh, maybe no, but honestly, though. Uh, okay, so cross. I went to Crossroads Middle School. Yeah, and they. Um, I was actually there when Baron Davis was there. Like mm. I was. I was in seventh grade, and he was a senior. He his to, numbers retired now. 
At, at Crossroads? Yeah. Really? Him, him oh. and Crochet, they're at Cro- the gym. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get an invite, man. It's all good. But like, <laughs> I, uh, no, he used to like, it was amazing. He would be giving them like 40, 50 points in ankle weights. Like he'd yeah. be playing in ankle weights. It was nuts. But they didn't have a football. That's why I didn't stay. That's why I went to Campbell Hall because they didn't have a football team. Yeah. All the athletes that came in there too, they could they could have had a, a serious uh, squad. But to your point, I guess they had been doing it. They didn't believe in it. In, well, Crossroads in, is back now because they got LeBron Jr. Oh, he, oh, is it uh, uh, Shaq too? Wasn't Shaq's son over there? Shaq's son was there. I think he might have graduated or he's a senior. Uh-huh. They have Shaq's daughter, who my daughter played against in the eighth grade title <laughs> game, who's sixth grade, six foot one already. About to say dominating, right? Yeah, we, she got in foul trouble. We should have won. <laughs> we lost by a point. We got her in foul trouble. It seemed like a great idea. I think she's going to win the next six years of titles. But now, now LeBron Jr. is going to be there. He's going to be like a circus. Yeah. And he's apparently really good. He's yeah. in the whole AAU scene. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some of the clips. And All that I, stuff. I expect good things from him. Yeah. No so, yeah, LeBron on the Lakers. I was talking, my dad was visiting this weekend. Lifelong Celtic fan, lifelong Celtic season ticket holder. The two things we've probably hated the most together over the years were the Lakers and LeBron. And I mean like sport, <laughs> sports hate, not like real no, like I, genuine I hate. I get it. But LeBron was in our way since basically 2007. And uh, the last few times kicked the Celtics ass in the playoffs, culminating last year, beats in the game seven. So now he joins the Lakers, right, the yeah. team that we hate the most. Uh, and my dad was like, have you really thought about this? Like LeBron and the Lakers? Like this is everything colliding. I was like, no. But y'all are free and clear now. You basically own the East now, right? So there should be some some jubilance there think, as well, right? Yeah, Philly's still looming. Uh, y'all are good. I mean, cause y'all did that without your main horses right. last year, you know, so. We did, but that, Simmons and Embiid are a year older. True. Embiid is still We're a seven foot Ky- three See, monster. Okay, this is, this is I, I feel like Kyrie's getting a little disrespected. Me too. But you just said that you're worried. You should, there should be no worry. No, I just, Y'all I Philly has, Y'all Philly has two of the numbers. best 15 guys in the league, so that, we have to take them seriously. And take Kawhi, serious, but y'all should be good. To Kawhi go. and the Raptors. He was number two MVP two years ago. Right, but you see what they do every, for whatever reason when it comes to the playoffs. I don't know what it is, but they don't seem to be able to connect it. We're definitely the gambling happened. favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, they the are the favorites in the will, East. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then you know the Warriors still. Well, yeah, that's why. Like, like I, that's why I'm saying. So I'm happy just as a Laker fan. I'm not. I got realistic goals. We're not going to be. We're not beating Houston or. Uh, I mean, Golden State right now, I don't think. But uh, I think our future's looking really good. But you talk about counting people out. People are counting out LeBron a little bit here. <laughs> no, I'm not counting them out. It's we're pretty gonna, funny. We're, we're, we're back. I'm just saying Golden State is a machine, the best players. Uh, Houston has this machine in his system and the MVP with a Chris Paul, who's, I don't know if he was former MVP, but he's been at Almost. MVP caliber. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I got realistic goals. You know what I mean? Were you going to the Kobe games? What, was I going? Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yes, I was. Because your dad went to a lot. Yeah, Although I yeah. did call your dad out on, we, he was on my pod about yeah, his, sport, his sports yeah. bigamy. Yeah. He's, he's, has the, he's Knicks, but Lakers too. And it's weird. I, I, I was kinda, like, what's going on? Yeah. You, you, what if they play in the finals? You have to pick. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he, <laughs> well he's, he, I guess he feels like he has the experience. He's seen it all. So yeah. he can just pick them all. But no, I'm Lakers all day, all day. But yet I'm a Yankee fan, so. You're looking at me crazy. If Cowboys? people can see this, you know, Eagles because of Cunningham. You're looking Eagles, at me crazy. Wow, we, right we, now. we just don't <laughs> like each other. We have a lot of. <laughs> Yo, I'm just getting this interview all wrong. Huh? <laughs> Shoot, man. I, I am. I'm not. I'm unapologetic for it. Like I said, Randall Cunningham. He was the man. You know, uh, well, Reggie was, White, Fred Barnett, the Jerome Brown, Reggie White. That was one of my favorite random football teams that Reggie didn't win that. No, they had. That they, one, had they had the greatest they had, defense, and they had Randall. Exactly, and they couldn't put it together for whatever yeah. reason. Well, I'll tell you where they put it together: video games. 
Right. Well, it was an incredible video game yeah, tape. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the OGs. And the, uh, they used to have the uh, not the action, the little action figures I had the, with the, the, the detachable oh, yeah. helmet. I yeah. love those things, man. Yeah, Randall. He really what he really has not gotten his due as no. One of those I've never seen this before athletes. Right. Right. Where you're I like, mean, whoa, exactly. what is this? I mean, he was and he could punt. It was exciting. Yeah, it was right. like remember that 12. very good. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. On third down, right? Yeah, he booted it out of there. And then even his 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 resurgence or his his final act with the, the Vikings. Yeah, kind of introducing us to getting mossed. You know, throw it up. I mean, he was very accurate with those deep balls as well. So. He can throw. He could play. He could recover. I remember it was Gruden that really got him out. Who claimed he couldn't read defenses and he was uncoachable or whatever. And I, I John took, Gruden said that. Uh, yeah, like he was. I think he was the new offensive coordinator. I at knew the I didn't time. like him. I'm not gonna say I don't like him, but I didn't understand that. You know, I, I didn't. And maybe Cunningham wasn't liking him. Maybe it just didn't work out for whatever reason. But. I feel like he should be talked about more. I'm not sure he's in. The, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have the jacket yet, does he? No, but I hope he gets I, it. Some point it's probably in play. Yeah. If they're letting like ten people in, the thing that killed them was not winning the Super Bowl that year in the Vikings, where well, they Gary Anderson missed the well, field goal. I was gonna say, who's that on, man? Yeah. who's that on? But, but that did hurt. That, that, that hurt was one of those. They should have probably won the Super Bowl that year, and it didn't happen. And that would have been the last piece for him. You played. You played college at Morehouse, mm -hmm. and then you got. Undrafted with the Rams and yeah. you almost made it and the whole thing. What was your game like? What running back were you like? I, I was trying to be, you know, I didn't, I couldn't break away, but I can, I can get three yards in a cloud of dust. I can make a, I can make a, a defender miss in the hole. So uh, I was shifty. I, you know, I kind of liked the, the, I loved the Le'Veon Bell. I used to love Barry Sanders growing up. Um, Ricky Waters was, was, uh, I loved him to his running style too, but also like guys like Bam Morris. You yeah. know, and uh, Natron Means. I used to love guys like Could you that. catch the ball on third I, down? I, I was able to do that. Um, I didn't do it a lot in college, though, but I developed it, like, just practice every week, like being able to spread out there, go out there and, and play a little slide as well. I wish I had developed those skills a little, like, a little sooner, though, before I hit the NFL. I mean, I didn't even know how to really watch film yeah. properly until I got to the league because Morehouse College, and you got to bring your own referees, you got to bring your own tape, your own gloves, your own goalposts. So you had to, like, be resourceful, right. you know what I mean? But, like, NFL, like, <laughs> I remember Steven Jackson was like, like, uh, I, I wanted to get some more gloves. I was like, yeah, but I got, you know, one. I got one glove for all season and practice and games, the same gloves. He was like, man, just get you a new pair. And I was like, really? I can do that? <laughs> you know, because I'm coming from deep to black college sports that we don't have the resources. So, uh, you know, so, so that, that's meaning that I just, I came into a whole other world and, and grew as a artist, as an athlete, a little too late, I think. I'm surprised Belichick didn't bring you in. That would have been he awesome. loves those smart five nine running backs. <laughs> right. We can five like ten, do it so five ten. Yeah, thank you. But thank he likes you. those. We've <laughs> had a, a lot day, of those. We had Kevin Fox and Shane Vereen. And what's, and, my, what's my man too? He was D three. Um, uh, Danny Woodhead. Woodhead. Had, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was a big, I was a big fan of his when I he saw. He loves him. that. He yeah. he always has certain. He has a type. Falk. Yeah, he yeah. does have a type. He's yeah. a type. Yeah. We just took Sony Michelle from. Georgia in the first round okay. or like, like top of the second round last year who's also like that one of those yeah, just just can do it all yeah he likes that no, I so, would have loved to that so you great. you kept the dream going for like four years I, I did my best I played in Germany Germany Dusseldorf Ryan Fire and uh, played for the late great Denny Green UFL United Football League which was an amazing experience he treated us like men in fact my first start in that league I, I got player of the week. I was, was a buck 25 and a touchdown my first start. So it showed me and it showed others that uh, with the right opportunity, I, I was good enough. And that, that's all I needed. It was like my Rudy moment, if you will. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the only time I started. And uh, and that was the most significant amount of playing. And we won the game, too. And uh, I, I can just stand on that. I did that with D Dennis Green as the coach. Yeah. So yeah. I forever had that. And he trusted me after that, too. He talked to me more, stuff like that. You know. What was the black college football scene like? 
Uh, so I, I, I've never seen it's never really been captured in like a documentary or anything. I'll stuff. tell you, I was it's just gonna say, let me tell you how it's right? captured. I would love to, I would love to explore that a documentary about the black college football experience. But the best way to describe it for the general mass population out there is everybody who witnessed the Beyonce concert at Coachella. Yeah, that's the experience. Oh wow, that's like exactly what it's like. The halftime show. People come for the halftime show, not necessarily the game. <laughs> so like they're coming for the band, which is fine. It's a very live and interactive sort of environment. People are dancing, and and but they're not really paying attention to the game. They're cheering if the other team scores. They're cheering if we score. But it's okay because we're all in it together. Who's, and we didn't really win a lot of games either. So who's your rival? Uh, Clark University, right across the street. Yeah, yeah. So we could beat them. Though. Who was the best one? Who's the best the out best. of all those? Out of, Tuskegee. Whole... They usually they usually have a pipeline of of of, of NFL athletes. Uh, Albany State, but they were cheating, man. They get all these like D one transfers that just go for <laughs> go for a semester. I mean, they actually made us go to class. Like we had to like keep a GPA. It was all that. You know, like they they didn't really sink money into the program like they should have. I thought they didn't take us our those sports program as serious as they should have. I think it could be a great asset to recruiting more people and, and getting the school more recognition as far as athletic side you know just showing that balance because you don't go there for football you don't go there for sports you go there for the business degree or you go there for uh you know a lot of doctors in the medical field is very is very high out there highly revered so so you quit football and got into acting uh it was quit for me uh i got i got an injury i was training for a, a workout with the giants and uh, out in uh, westlake village uh, uh proactive sports ron capretta he has a great program out there shout out to him I tore my right Achilles. I I, I was doing an explosion oh, no. drill. I, I landed and I exploded out and I heard, and there was nobody. <laughs> there was nobody around me. So yeah. I, I'm like looking around, like going down slow, man down. It was crazy. I saw this little worm in my calf. I knew it was over, but like I was just hoping, like, all right, it's just a strain. I could still I could still work out. And the surgeon was like, I got some good news and bad news. Bad news is you tore your Achilles. The good news is I can get you surgery in the next three days. So I knew it was over. So in my like state of recovery and a lot of pain medication. Uh, a great family friend of mine who's now my agent, Andrew Finkelstein, said, um, he said, listen, I want you to go audition for something. There's something really cool, a football story. And I told him my response at first, my initial response was, I want to go, I want to go to school. I want to study first, get comfortable. And he's like, no, 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 you're not going to get the job, man. You're going to, you're going to, you're not going to get it. They're gonna, you're going to, you're going to not fail, but you're going to get rejected, but you need to learn what that feels like in the audition room. Just learn how it feels to be auditioning and get rejected. I can actually, I know how to get, I know what rejection feels like because I've been on a couple of several uh, workouts with the NFL. Yeah. In Houston and New Orleans. So I, I was like, oh, cool. No, it won't hurt me. And ended up 10 auditions later, I got the part. So it was an amazing uh, transition. Achilles injuries, because we're seeing this now with Boogie Cousins. Right. The, I mean, it's like pretty much 90% of the time, the person's never the same. I think it depends on the sport. Basketball, I think, because it's 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 you know you're so dependent on the vert verticality of it all. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe you are different. Although Kobe still getting sixty on his last day. Yeah, he took seventy <laughs> shots. I, know. I, I tell on. people that all the time. Look at the shot attempts. Yeah, come on. That's true. I know he, he was chunking them up. Was, chunking I can't up. believe people. Bra the <laughs> Laker fans bragging about <laughs> doesn't that sixty. Matter. It doesn't matter. We don't care you about take half the attempts. shots in the game. You're gonna probably get sixty. But then to think, but even that's <laughs> think about how great that is. The fact that this man at that stage of his career took that many shots. I mean, my God. You're not giving that no credit. All right, fine. Listen, when Kobe <laughs> left, I was like, who am I going to argue about basketball-wise? And then Westbrook showed up, and now I'm good. Now that's, Wait, what, that's the issue, next What's one. your issue with, with Westbrook? He wouldn't be fun to play with? You don't think so? No. Why? Because he, he takes 30 shots a game well, and has the ball every time. No, he he doesn't move two, and two doesn't triple have doubles, it. Two triple-doubles. Two triple-doubles. Average seasons. Great. I get to lose so he does in, pass, right? I get to lose in round one. But he does pass. You're saying he just takes a lot of shots. He does he pass. He passes when he has to. 
What does that mean? <laughs> he <passed laughs> when, when he, he pulls to. double teams out. When they have like the must-win playoff games, he takes like 40 Here shots. Go. Here we go. All right. Well, it's just not my style. I I, I'm a team guy. Me too. I mean, I like Magic to get Johnson is involved. my favorite. Yeah, there you go. He's my favorite Laker, actually. Magic Johnson goes into basketball games and he goes, how am I going to make everyone else better? I agree. Totally. I'm, well, I've well, never no, been we'll a see. fan of everybody's got to be in my world and I'm going to be better. Oh, wait, let, me, I got, let me just say, though, I think... I think Kobe, I think Westbrook thinks the same thing. How am I going to get us to win? I even heard Kobe talk about it. He thought at some at a point of his career, getting 81 points is how we get all better, how we win. That was actually so my favorite Kobe season because that team was terrible. He, <laughs> he was going 35. off. He was going off. But like Magic Johnson, like right, he was truly included. And even Larry Bird, too. He's like an underrated passer. Like yeah. he, They really got everybody involved. So I, that era for me in general was just something. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing a little bit. But like that thing with Kobe and Westbrook, for their teams to succeed, they have to be great and they have to have the ball and they it right. basically has to go through them. Right. And it's like as long as it's working for me, it'll work for all of you. But you think even that's the, not my the style. early the early Shaq Kobe days, the ball didn't have to necessarily go through him on no. And they and they found success. Well, Kobe was like fifteen years old. <laughs> he was <laughs> He was younger, yes. But I mean, yeah, yeah they won. I mean, the, Fro Kobe was out there dunking on people. I love Fro Kobe. Fro Kobe was like for real. Remember that Yao Ming dunk? Like off off the baseline, like, yo, that was but, I still but think, he still was team, like, you know. But but Phil Jackson took a Phil Jackson to keep him did. in check, so that's a part. I think Westbrook maybe needs. I'm not, you know, talking junk about the coach, but I think he might need some kind of older presence that, like, look, young man, we're gonna call this play, and this is what we're gonna do. Or I'm gonna sit you on the bench. Well, this year they're making they got a backup point guard Schroeder from the Hawks. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. they're making a big deal about now Russ can play off the ball. Right, we'll see. we've never really seen him do it. I, I don't know if he can. Move no, he did. Oh the ball. no, in the fourth quarter, was Harden. He was doing it. It, it was Harden's ball. The last three minutes but was Russ moving or was he just standing there watching that's oh, yeah, what he, I want to yeah, see in, oh he was in the corner I, I want to see can he move can he Without like the ball and stuff we'll you know. see we'll see yeah the thing with Kobe though that second Lakers team was I thought one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life Powell and Which it was no it was the, oh, I'm talking 0-1 Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Kobe had kind of risen, yeah. but Shaq was still Shaq. Right, yes. And for like about three months, they figured it out, yeah. how to really do it, and they were averaging like 60 a game. I thought that team was. Yeah. No, what was that? Was that the same run? They, they didn't lose a playoff game until I That was a one, up. yeah. That was they, a one. They almost, they figured, they had it was the Iverson game was the that only one. That was incredible, one. though. That's when I, yeah. that, that game right there is when I started like growing. I wanted braids. I wanted tattoos. <laughs> I wanted chains. I was like, he changed. Talk about changing the game. We are talking about Cunningham earlier. But AI, I feel like, like maybe he's getting the credit he deserves now, but he really changed the NBA. I think they issued a, a dress code because of him afterwards. Right? Well, you, it was a really weird era for the NBA because the a lot of the fan base wasn't ready for it. Right, 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 right. Like, right why is he right. acting like that? The, the, there was the a lot of older fans. Like, right. well, what's going <laughs> yeah. on here? Right, right, right. Yeah. And now it's now it seems the, a lot. I mean, cooler. he like everybody wears sleeves and like yeah. tights now. Like he started that man, you know, with the braids, and now it's dreads now, but. Uh, yeah, he that so that game though, you know, being a Laker fan, but that day I was like, I love Iverson, man. He was the man. Yeah, I but, thought if anything ever happened to Jack, I thought your dad should get the seats because <laughs> we need we need like a like I respect that man. A lot no, of people, we need we need like a really sincerely famous person in those seats, and <laughs> it's basically like your dad or Leo. <laughs> It's well, got to be one of those famous person because it's just for the legacy of it. Yeah. It's got to be somebody that when the other players are there, they look over. Yeah, and it's somebody with real. Real meat and substance, uh, you know, and it can't it can't be like Justin Bieber. It's it's wow. got to be somebody who ha, who's had well, he's like, Canadian, right? So well, that would be <laughs> yeah. But it's got to be somebody who's had like a career and has real gravitas and, I, and like like a Jay Z. It's got to be at that level, I, I, I and it's got to be those that. two seats. 
The ones, the ones right by. I think Jack's the, the got a really. He's God forbid anything. I think he has how many years? I don't know. Left a lot. Yeah, yeah, no. But he's got to yeah. put something in. They got, they got to put something in there. Like if anything happens, <laughs> like in the contract, the Staples Center contract. Yeah. Like and maybe we vote. Maybe it's part of the California election. We oh get to vote God. who the we next vote. celebrity is. I'm, I'm, I'll be down for that. I vote for the old man for the sure. But pro- the problem with him is he's working all the time. He probably well, exactly. Wouldn't be at any I games. mean, like he missed the the 2010 finals. He was on Broadway. Like he couldn't yeah. even go to the, he couldn't even show up for those games. And those are like, the, we benefited his kids. Right, like, yeah. but, but so keep, yeah, keep working, pops. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, dad, you're going to be like, away? go get him, man. It was a great show. <laughs> I wasn't there because I was at the game. But right but, now, yeah. you're convincing him to equalizer three and like Greece. <laughs> yeah, I don't, so know, about, I don't the... know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> so, Bowers Nothing happens. wrong with Greece, by the way. I'm just talking about for him. Yo, yeah, yeah. Quick break to talk about me undies. I'm so glad they're doing the fourth, 400th episode because they did the first one. You've heard me talk about them a million times. Why am I actually so obsessed with them? Well, here's one reason. It's the only ones I wear. I, I My jar is full of meandies. That's it. My dad was actually staying uh, at my house last week and he forgot his underwear because he's old. Then he forgets stuff. And he's like, hey, you have any extra underwear that I can borrow? And I was like, not only do I have any extra underwear, let me introduce you to the wonderful world of MeUndies, which he enjoyed. Hey, MeUndies, you should send my dad some underwear because I think he's had the same underwear for 35 years. Um, it's all I wear. They use a micromodal fabric, which is a full three times softer than the regular cotton. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you're not into them, you can send them back for a full refund. If you're ready to give them the try, uh, a try, you're in luck. MeUndies launched a brand new membership that lets you gain access to exclusive prints and take advantage of special member pricing and level your top drawer with new undies each month. What are you waiting for? Go get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Just go to meundies.com slash BS. That is meundies.com slash BS. I am wearing them right now. Yeah, get that image out of your head. Back to John David Washington. So Ballers Happens. Ballers Happens, yes. The Rock who is also one of like the most famous people yeah, he's, he is in famous. the world. Another level, yeah. But yeah. you'd already, you'd been around famous people your whole life. But yeah, what, but The Rock is- The Rock know, is like really famous. Like, yeah, like on another level. But but he couldn't be a nicer person. You know, he's a very giving actor. He was, he was present, he's there. It was funny, like we were doing the pilot when we weren't sure tonally what we were doing yet. Like yeah. comedy, drama. So I, I'm going in on this scene. This is my freaking moment, you know? Yeah. And I feel like he's feeling the same thing. This is his moment. I guess we're gonna we're going for drama, and we do it. And then afterwards, uh, he starts clapping. He's like, "Good job, brother. Hydrate. Good job, brother." I was like, hydrate. That's what I felt like. I made it though. He told me to hydrate. Get him. Get him a vitamin water. Get somebody. Get him a. And I was like, "Yo, I, he told me to hydrate and give me a vitamin water." So, or it wasn't a vitamin water. It was like uh, I forget what it was. One of them nice, those healthy waters with the little yeah. flavor in it. But uh, I felt like I made it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Like you need to get your electrolytes, brother. Hydrate. Good job. And he like embraced me really tight like this. So I, that sounds like that, some Tom Brady shit. I, I, it may be a little bit. Oh, so I, or some Cunningham shit. You know what the I'm great, no. the great one. No, the great one's hydrate. <laughs> That's why I said Cunningham. Tom Brady right? drinks like two hundred fifty ounces of water a day or something Is that a crazy. Fact? Yeah, really? seriously. Oh wow. Yeah, so that, they so must be honest. Something I was gonna say there, there must be something. Well, then he, well he, he let me in, you know, and that. So from then on, I was like, "The Rock, you the man." For so that. is Ballers a comedy or a drama? Have we figured that out? You got to ask Steve Levinson, man, <laughs> the creator of the show. Ask. Can me. you describe Ballers in one sentence? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I don't know what. No, I mean it's no, not in one sentence. I know it's it's good, clean family fun. 
Because it defies what usually succeeds as he like entourage. You'd be like, right. actor moves to LA, brings his buddies with him, becomes famous. Right, right. Ballers, it's like former NFL player, but he's now he's representing players. But then right. there's these other players, and it's about football, but it's about <laughs> See, agents you can't do and it sports either. visits. You yeah, can't do it either. Goes, I mean, I think it, it's took it's taken on a couple of different lives. I think season yeah. one, the concentration was the the inner workings of of the the business. Well, and I say the business, but the culture of football itself, not just African American athletes, but this athletes period. So there's a language there of athletic and business language. Yeah, and then it started to 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 I guess evolve into the business of it, the 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 actual other the other side of it. So. You know, it, and that's you know Steve Lev and them. They 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 seem to know what they're doing. And an insane amount it. of people watch this show. That's I, they, he's Steve Lev and them. So Mark, like overnight, people are doing. like, "Hey!" Overnight, well, you know, it was. And thank, I want to thank Alan Nearob as well. We we wanted to make sure people just watched the show. Yeah, you know, see the character. We don't want to promote, like, not promote, but just we want. It was it was about the work, you know, yeah. because we believed in what we were doing. And if the people respond to it, we'll see how they respond to it. So Black Klansman was your first movie where you're on the set every day and you're in basically every scene or was there yeah, another that, that, that I'm that's missing? That's the way you put, if you put it like that, then yes. Yeah. But uh, we, yeah. You're in all the scenes I, except I, for like, I'm in, I'm in a lot of scenes. I'm in a lot of scenes. It was great though. I mean, when you read the script, could you tell that there was some underlying Trump shit in this that, you know, even, I mean, people get it eventually. There's mm -hmm. an aha moment during the movie. You're like, Oh, mm -hmm. but could you tell even as you're reading it, I wasn't thinking like that, honestly. I, what I was, th I was thinking more of of how generational hate is. Yeah, you know. And there's a there's language in this film that's not for wow or shock value or shock factor. We're not trying to trying to entice the audience by using all this foul language to think they're having a good time. This is the actual lexicon of hate, and you see how generational it is and institutionalized it is. I mean, this is learned behavior. Yeah. And then seeing that, I'm seeing that. Um, especially in the final product, how we, we, not much has changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe we got to start using different words or something. But this is how people feel like and talk behind closed doors at the family local barbecue. I mean, it's a film of good old-fashioned American hate, but the package and delivery of this message is in an entertainment capacity. It's a nice time at the theater, too. But then you're somewhat reluctant to laugh. You don't know why you're laughing. You don't know why you're, then you're crying. I've heard people come out of this, talk about coming out of this film with all kinds of emotions. And that's what I felt reading it. I was like, laughing a lot I was dead silent I didn't know the he was going to add the ending you know at the end of what you know that, that yeah. part but um, so I, I was just it wasn't just specific to Trump I'm thinking about this is a this is our backyard problem and it's been happening for a long time I saw it uh, at the Grove last night and it was a really weird audience and I don't know like they were laughing a lot mm -hmm. and I don't know if that was a common theater reaction you said you were at three different screenings yeah yeah, were it, people laughing? It was like people. I couldn't tell if they were laughing because I wasn't laughing that much. Like I right. thought it was funny, but right. well, um, yeah. the language was so, you know. Right. It's, no, I yeah. don't. It was. It was. It's just a tense movie. Right. I. I think that's that's all positive. Uh, Spike <laughs> Lee said it at the uh, at the Hollywood um, at the Hollywood um, L.A. premiere. He's like. Feel free to laugh. Don't be afraid to laugh. That's what yeah. he said to the audience. I love that because it's not, we weren't shooting a comedy. Right. right. When we were working, me and we were all talking about it. We weren't going for laughs. The hilarity though of it is how ridiculous this is, but we can stand on the platform of truth. I mean, this is a true story and it's about our country. So that's what makes it sort of humorous, you know, that, that people really talk like this and this really happened. Was it weird to act every day and just be around the foul language doing... 
take after take after take yeah. and some of the worst words over and over again? No, it wasn't. Or you just, you bounced off I'm going to tell you why it wasn't weird. Because maybe in another, but it, it was because of Spike Lee. He, 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 he created such an environment of trust and authenticity that we felt like we were servicing the film. So like I'll bring, I draw a parallel to football. When you're playing for a Bill Belichick and he's telling you like to do something or make an adjustment, you know it's going to be for the betterment of the team. This is how we win a Super Bowl. So you'll do it and you do it without hesitation. And so being able to act and use your instincts without thinking about what well, this isn't going to service the film the best way, when we're, act, we're actually, in fact, all on the same page, it makes those days easier. Now, I can't speak for Topher Grace, who's playing a David Duke. Yeah. That, that's a little different. But he, he had been saying, too, like he made him feel better about it, he being spiked, because it's servicing the film. So to, to answer your question directly, I was comfortable because I was in the character. I was in pocket based off of the environment set by Spike Lee, our leader. Wig or real hair? Wig. Could you have grown that? No, I didn't have enough time. <laughs> I didn't have enough time. How long would it take to grow yeah, that? A couple years, man, at least. That's a nice wig. I was studying it, was it on the giant screen trying to figure out <laughs> yeah, if it was a wig or no, not. It was, I could it was never... a... Shout out to Lawanda and, uh, and Sean. They, uh, they uh, are uh, hair, hair people. They, they, they represent it. What, uh, what's your best Spike Lee story from the shooting? Uh, what's the story that exemplifies Spike Lee for I got, you? I got a couple. Um, but the one I go to is... Uh, it was like the it was the it was like the fifth day of shooting. We had done a lot of action stuff, not a lot of script, not a lot of dialogue, right? Yeah. But we, but we got the movement going just to get just to break in, establish the environment. So this was like the first day of some heavier dialogue. So uh, we do a couple takes, and he comes back around. He comes to me, and he's not looking like if you're me and I'm Spike. He's like, All right, so we're gonna have you walk this way this time. Camera's gonna come around, and we're gonna catch you. You're gonna go up there and do your lines again. All right. I was like, all right. All right. And put some bass in your voice, and he just walks off. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I, again, he's he's such a master of energy and, and and momentum. He understands when stuff like when the real stuff that you plan that you plan for, but you can't really, you can't really anticipate. He goes with, and he said that I think to just lighten loosen me up a little bit because I laughed and I was actually and I was good to go because I was a little tight that day for whatever reason. And so I just think he just he's a master of tone anyway with cinema, and uh, I just think again how he coaches his players if you will he just under he's a player's coach he just knows what to say and really what not to say i mean this was the freest i've ever felt on any yeah. set i mean as far as just performance wise he he didn't really give me any notes besides that one i guess and you for from your standpoint you had your, your voice is different in the movie yeah. a little bit yeah oh, so yeah, how did sure. you figure out what that accent was uh you know just a lot of interviews and i got to talk to ron like on a weekly basis but uh i didn't want to you know some people have been like your white voice your white voice but if it wasn't ron, a, yeah it wasn't a white voice I, exactly it was, just, it, was a, it was it was a voice of hate he had to he had to seduce hate to get in there and to to, to operate this thing operation so it was more just, you know, just a lot of... I didn't want to emulate or imitate it, though. I wanted to just inhabit the spirit. I wanted to... It was, like, more nasally, and it was a little... I, I don't know. It, it I don't definitely know was distinct. <laughs> it was... I know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I don't know how I did it, to be honest. I just, a, lot of, a lot of film, I guess, and talking to him a lot, and just... Again, knowing what he went through, what it's like to be an African-American in Colorado Springs at that time helped me with the voice. You know? So what? So what's next for you? I, I want to work with, you know... It's, 
I want to work with directors, producers that love what they do, that love the art of storytelling, that seem to be enthusiastic about this thing, about the process, who value process. I've been in situations where it's not about the process, it's just, a, so I, I, what I learned on this set and what I learned on the set of Monsters and Men, what I got coming out in September with Renando Marcus Green, who was a student of Spike Lee, is just process and just not skipping any steps and just telling the truth in such creative and inclusive ways. You know, I love this teamwork, you know, aspect of what I got to do. And that's what I want to be a part of. That's what I'm seeking right now. A wise man said, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. So obviously you want the script to be something you want to do and, and believe in. But right now I'm learning so much and I need to learn more. So it's about who I get to work with. Listen, that all sounds great. You got to make one really good action movie over the next three years. Is that how the business works? No, no. I just, I, I want it. Like, yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is, you're a good actor who's also a great athlete. Like this doesn't really oh, happen very often. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, this I mean, is, I was, this is, you have like your own, I don't know. I appreciate the, that. The man. fugitive or, or I would do, honestly, my, my you need favorite, one of those. My favorite, I don't even know if it's an action movie, but like Man on Fire, the, the late Tony Scott. I mean, that's like a drama, like packaged in action packed stuff like it, well, it, now I, you're you're talking about one of the holy action movies. thanks you know thanks. so like if it's something so i'm saying to answer your question it, it'd have to be in that sort of i mean that would be great that's like the ideal one but don't be afraid to make one where your daughter gets kidnapped and you have 24 hours to get her and just crank one of those out get, get the big paycheck and then move on to so, the so move not, on to the oscar movie after that so it's not selling out as buying no in. it's not selling it's out buying in. I get you it. think john wick 2 is selling out no i love that movie's yo, a classic be, let's not disrespect my man i'm yeah, just saying yeah. don't sleep on the john that's wick 2 man. side you can do I, I, I love, no listen keanu reeves that's my guy i love they him. took your daughter you have 16 hours to get her I think I can do She's it. She's somewhere in L.A. She, well, she got to be in L.A.? <laughs> no, she'd be in North Carolina. We, we'll go to the South, <laughs> the rural South. We could flip it on them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm open. Again, I'm open. What about a sports movie? I'm, open to, I'm, I'm doing one right. I'm doing a sports show. So I'm doing Not that already. Sports movie. I don't know. I would love to. Yeah, sure. like a sports movie drought. They got, they're getting too like... The, the old school sports movies that we grew up with, mm. they're not really making them anymore. What's your favorite sports film? Wow. I mean, the... the... I'm trying to think. Because when I was growing up, it was like Hoosiers, The Natural, Longest Yard, Bad okay. News, Bears, Breaking okay, Training. Go. It was all go. those ones. A lot of them haven't aged that well. Okay. And now we've moved into <laughs> like the mean, 90s. You mean the movies or the actors? No, just like they're just dated. <laughs> oh, oh. You know? Any given Sunday. So, the, so, that, so that whole era that has run. aged really nicely. Yeah. But even the, the program. Program was my favorite until I saw Any Given Sunday. And if you can sub it was my favorite until I saw Friday Night Lights. And what Pete Berg did on yeah. Friday Night Lights was capture the spirit and the essence of the culture in a way that I've never seen cinematically. I, I was touched by I was in tears when Booby Miles couldn't play no more. I, I All of that stuff was incredible. And then in the program, just getting introduced to what the D1 athletics is, is like. I mean, he got game as well. I mean... These were like these sort of these stories that you don't really get to, that don't get told. They get kind of exposed the collegiate, you know, business of yeah. it all. And uh, I love those things. I'm really I glad you brought up the program. Up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I love the program. It's a flawed movie that I still think it's is very flawed. enjoyable. Well, the quarterback's Yo, it's, like, it's 80. Was it 80s or was it early 90s? No, it was like 94, 95. Oh, oh okay. All right. It's the flawed. quarterback's it's really like 35 in real life. Joe Kane, Joe man. Kane is like 35 in real life. <laughs> no, but he was. Yeah. He's like Tom Brady's age in that movie. <laughs> No, what about but what, uh, Chris Winkie? 
school. Oh, Chris Wayne. Well, that was so sort of, he was, but he's supposed to be 21 in that movie. And Halle Berry is <laughs> supposed to be a college student. She's like, 30. she was definitely, she could be whatever she wants. You'd be, you'd be respectful. Well, I was, of, she, of I didn't say she'd look fantastic. Uh, well, she'd be respectful. I'm just saying she could be whatever she wants, sir. That was I'm during right. the key, uh, the incredible Omar Epps sports. He had a run. run, right? Man. He did, well, Major League Two, which I, I know he stepped in for Wesley, but I still yeah. acknowledge that. I was going to say, that's Wesley's thing. I, but but, but the, he was in the uh, program. He did Love and Basketball. But the other one too, uh, Singleton. He was a track star. Oh yeah, and he did Higher Banks. Learning. Higher Learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had that one. And then yeah. there was like one more. I think he had five. I think he banged out five sports movies. Did he movies. really? He five like sports movie characters in I can't eight years. Other ones. But yeah, yeah, he had a run. Yeah, Higher had a Learning's run. a weird rewatch. Why? Why you say that? It's it's intense. It is, yeah, yeah. And what it kind of belongs to this mid nineties era, but it's good. I, I actually like. I watched it. I was into it. Like ah, uh, I mean, like, like like what Ice Cube did. Like he he was he was fantastic in that film. The system, the school, you <laughs> behind me lies, dog. Like yo, that line that was nuts. And then what's my man too? Uh, uh, Sir Lawrence Fishburne, Mr. Oh, Williams. Yeah. Like Sir Lawrence. Yeah, man, he's the man. So yeah, that's yeah. I grew up. John, shout out to John Singleton. I'm glad you're in a man on fire because I. No, I feel like that's a top like four Denzel for me. Like low key, it might be underrated. I, I feel like, she'd be, like I a lot of people talk totally about Training agree. Day and all that, and I love Training Day. No, no, but 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 I've I probably watched that movie the most out of all of them. That and maybe Glory. I always judge this by I'm still a cable scroll through the cable channels guy. <laughs> all right, <laughs> and if they're repeatedly showing movies on cable, there's a reason for it. And mm -hmm. Man on Fire is always on every time. So I, that's every my, time I that's see my it, vindication. Right it's on. like and it's like oh. Oh, he's about to get shot. This is the scene where he's about to get shot. All right, I'm in. I'm right. gonna, I'm, well, I'm when it like you. that first, you know, that that like second to third act when it's on, it's like, psh, like the torture scene in the car. And oh just yeah. The, and then even like the swim sequences, like all of that. Like Tony Scott, and and really what he did, it's just from a visual standpoint, it it was ahead of its time. Like a lot of the CSIs of the world, they, they, oh, yeah. they're copying it now. They're doing it now. Still, he was ahead of the game, man. They they weren't ready for it. I still don't like Mark Anthony in real life from that movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, I still can't believe he did that to uh, listen, his daughter. It's called acting. Art, you know, nah, it's just, it's still, just art, man. Like it's just art. Him. He has great. Listen, he has great like, albums. He's singing about love that, and, and and all that. That stuff. character. He's selling out your own it. your own flesh and blood. Well, he did it. He said he was did. I did it for us for the three <laughs> of us. Like he was doing it for the family. He said that. That's what he said. He didn't know it was going to happen. Would you ever act with your dad, or is it be too weird? That'd be too weird. Yeah. But yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't be able to act with my son. No, I like, mean could I, could, I could barely share a house with him. Oh lord, oh, I could do a podcast with my daughter, but <laughs> yeah, my son. I, I don't know. It would just be weird. What do you why, why, What do you think? It would be too weird to play characters with somebody you've known your whole life. I, I just don't know. I mean, I guess that's why they call it acting. I would if I did. I would rather be like we do like a time like uh, a period piece where I play. His father, like we do flashbacks. Oh, like a like and then, a and then he like we Vito Corleone, Godfather right, exactly. Tuesday. Exactly, I do something like that, but like playing his son, I I, I don't know. What about he he's kidnapped and you have sixteen hours to find him? He's just who's, in like who's, two di seats. who's directing? Oh, who's the director? I don't know who's the best action movie director right now. I mean, just do one, Alan. Make sure he does one, <laughs> just in the next three years, where he's doing a lot of running and a lot of like a lot of martial Get arts. Get down! <laughs> Watch out! Duck. No, Maybe I, you remake the Last Boy Scout. The, oh, yeah. Now see some see some films are untouched. They shouldn't be redone though. How do you feel about the lefty football throw to end the Last Boy Scout? I'm still. That's my biggest nitpick with that one. Why? You, that's your biggest critique? Well, Damon Wayans was right-handed in the movie, and yeah. then it's like he's in a sling. So lefty. Yeah. I just I, don't know anybody who would be that good with their with the wrong hand. I don't know. That was my big critique. Well. 
Noted. We want. <laughs> Noted we wanted to start a sports movie consultant firm as part of the rigor. <laughs> Where it's like when they screw like in the first Friday Night Lights That's pilot, dope, where they yo. screw up the yard lines. That's so all of a sudden dope. they're on their own thirty. It's you. like wait a second. I, you know, you know what? I do, I do have a bit of a pet peeve. I get annoyed when I even see commercials and the pads aren't right on these players and the helmet is all messed up. I hate. I, it annoys me. Like in some movies, you just see like I, I saw a movie recently. Like there was football players like. Full cleats and pads, like on the sidewalk. They don't right. walk to they don't walk to practice like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Bowers has done a good job with the authenticity. Yeah, I think. Well, and they got in trouble for it too, right? Like using the NFL name and all that. But I think so. I, that's what Didn't I love. Didn't they about win it. that lawsuit though? I, I have no idea. You don't say. You don't say, Papo. No, you don't say. But but I do. <laughs> I, but I love that though. The authenticity that uh, that we're attempting to bring. So you based in LA or you New York? I'm in Brooklyn. That's You're in Brooklyn. That's, that's where the entire internet is. <laughs> Is that where it is? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Ninety-seven percent of it. No, I didn't know that. But just Are the like, Nets ever gonna make it? I I don't care. I don't watch the Nets, man. Yeah. See, that's the problem with the Nets. <laughs> nobody cares. There's an NBA team in Brooklyn, and nobody cares. No, we're going to the Barclays Center, but more to see the concerts and see Jay and them, not to see that wasn't not the plan. Lim. The plan I'm was the Nets were going to the anchor. Man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a pro- trust the process, I guess. I don't know if they. <laughs> you got nothing. Yeah. Well, if no, they couldn't know. seize New York from the Knicks this decade, when the Knicks were a complete train wreck, it's mm-hmm. never happening. It's kind of like the Clippers here. The Clippers had this, this four year stretch to steal basketball yeah. in Los Angeles I from know. the Lakers, and they had no chance. Yeah, they they couldn't quite. I mean, now injuries too. It. I don't know. I won't say it's over. Maybe. Now it's, it's over. It's, okay. It's All done. Right. All right. LeBron's here. It's a wrap. The Clippers have those stars though. Well, they got. Uh, oh no! Even Rivers is gone, huh? Dang. Well, is Jordan still there? No, Jordan left too. Jordan left. Jordan left too. They have a lot of like so we'll go, go, solid non all stars. Rebuild, rebuilding. Yeah, it's like it, it could be worse. It could be a forty win team, which is where you don't want to be in the NBA. Dang. Right in the uh, right in the middle. Well, we've been as a Laker fan, we've been humbled as of late. So, so I, I don't I, believe that. I think the Laker flags are coming out on October sixteenth. <laughs> no, I'm talking about before, but now, no, we're yeah, we oh, we're back. I mean, you see my what I got on. So, was that intentional? Maybe, maybe not. I guess your fans will never know because they can't see it. <laughs> uh, good luck with this movie. I Thank thought you. it was excellent. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's good. Spike every couple of years will really, I mean, really I'm happy bring it. I'm happy for him. And, and, and like a lot of the new generation, like I don't know how old your kids are, but like, I don't know if they're familiar with Spike Lee's films, but like this maybe could be nice, you know, resurgence for, for him and introducing these the new generation to what he's done. Because what this can do is now they can start going back and see it as old, older films, his earlier stuff. And uh, and be and see if they if they're affected the same. What's way. number one for you for Spike? It de- it depends on the month, man. Like last month, it was Jungle Fever. You know, when I was filming, I was watching a lot of Malcolm X. You know, it was uh, Kings of Comedy always. <laughs> yeah, I mean always. Like I will always watch that. So it depends on the month. I thought Twenty Fifth Hour was the underappreciated. It's underrated, movie. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That movie's really yeah, it good, is. and that yeah. movie's on cable a lot. Yeah, that I, yeah, I was catching that movie's that intense. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it is. a good one. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank that you, uh, that movie's really good. Go see it, Black Klansman. You out right now. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. That's it for the four hundredth episode. Thanks again. Thanks for spreading the word. And we have a doozy for you for four hundred one. I'm just warning you now. It's a good one. It's somebody who has. Been on my old podcast, but not the BS podcast. This will be his first BS podcast appearance. He's a very famous person. That's all I'm going to tell you. Talk to you later in the week. <laughs>